Hey, thanks so much for being here. This is My City Church, and this is our podcast. We hope you are inspired to love God, love people, and lead in life. Enjoy the message. Hey, 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 My City Church, how are we doing, 9 a.m.? Good? Good. I am excited to share the word with you today. I got a little fire shut up in my heart today to be able to share with you today. Uh, to keep myself from getting too aggressive out the front, I got to talk about something aggressive. And uh, that'd have to be our men's conference coming up on Wednesday. Thursday, Thursday, right? Thursday. This isn't some like pansy men's conference. This isn't like we go and sing Kumbaya and just go and, and just uh, pray for one another. We do pray for one another, but we also fight with one another and get in the trenches with one another. Parents, we got this thing called the gauntlet. It's a rite of passage in a way kids, if they're over 12, they can be a part of this men's conference. And this is the thing, Dad, this is what I think is so powerful about this, is they go through, you know, they have some like football pads, and they're like pushing the kid around. It's a little, it gets a little aggressive, and they have to go, and they have to do push-ups, they have to push sleds, they have to do these things, and the dad isn't allowed to touch them at all. He's allowed to watch, and he's encouraged to verbally encourage his son. And I think it's one of the most powerful lessons I've seen dads being taught in this church is the power of their voice. I saw one dad, he got his voice back. His kid was all beaten down and you could tell, he's like, I just wanna step in and help him. He says, no, let him know that you're still cheering him on there, you're still there. And I see these kids, you know, it gets pretty tough and they, they look at their dad and they find their dad through all the noise and they zone in on their dad. Yeah. I can do this. And I think that's one of those. So if it's anything, <laughs> if you be a part of men's conference, even just for that, and uh, uh, watch your, your children's lives, and also you be transformed. You go, you pay your money, you don't like it, you just come to me, I'll give you your money back. So check out the booth right after uh, service. Uh, but we're going to jump into here today. How many of you got your Bibles today? Let me see it. Lift it up in the air. Hey, there you go. It's important to read your Bible. Read your Bible. Be a person of the Word. God speaks through his word. Everyone wants to hear what God has said, God is saying, but you don't read what he's already said. So we're going to open up our Bibles to John chapter 5. Drop my pen there. I think every time I pick up my Bible, I drop something. You guys should maybe start placing that somewhere. No, maybe not. John chapter 5. Man, I am excited to share the word with you today. We're going to go kind of give an overview of the word um, and then we're going to kind of take, do something a little bit different. We're going to take it verse by verse, kind of expound on really what is happening here in this story. So we're going to start John chapter 5, verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there's in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate, I remember that if I were you, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda. Bethesda, say Bethesda, Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five colored, uh, covered colonnades, which is like porches, you know, like outside pool, and it got some porches around it. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. It's a long time. Let's see what Jesus does. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Or did he say, 
you want to get well? Or did he say, do you even want to get well? How did he ask that question? We'll try to figure that out. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, it is a Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. You didn't make me well. I'm going to listen to the guy that cured me from 38 years of paralysis. I'm going to listen to him. So they asked him, who's this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? And catch this right here. The man who was healed had no idea who it was. For Jesus had slipped away into the crowd. I'm excited to share with you on this topic today that you don't have to carry that anymore. You don't got to carry that anymore. Father God, we pray that you would anoint this word today as we know you will. I thank you your word does not return void, but as it's sent forth, it accomplishes the purpose for which you sent it. So Father, I pray you anoint the words today. Open our ears to hear you, God. Open our eyes to see you. Father, we pray that you would speak to us as we know you are. God, we're here. We're listening for you. And right now, church, open up your hands and say these words after me. Say, Lord, speak to me. I'm listening. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Hey, let's put our hands together for Jesus this morning. Come on. Come on. Come on. So let's take apart this passage. Let's take this part. Let's start back up on verse 1. What do we have on verse 1? It says that sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, what I find so interesting about sometime later is that for many people, it was a common time. But for one person, it was a divine moment in time. For many people, we could go through our lives each and every day, going through the motions. But for one person, it was a time, some time, that transformed his life. Now, we talk about this festival that Jesus was going to, and many scholars believe that it was a Passover festival. And what makes this so significant is if it's being the Passover festival, is that the passage just before this, John chapter 4, verse 45, when Jesus heals the royal official son, that because John, the way that he's writing the book, he is not writing his book just to tell a story. No, no, no. He is writing it because he has an agenda. And as we find that, we find that in the very last book of the verse of John. Let's pull that up there. What's the last verse in the book of John? John chapter 20, verse 31 says this. I might have not have uploaded it, so I don't have it up there for you. John chapter 20, verse 31, it says, but these are written that you may believe. This is the last verse in John. So he is saying, this is why I wrote the book. So that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life. You may have life in his name. Which is important to understand why John is saying this. Because it implies that everything John writes is written in order to convince you that you may have life by believing in Jesus. To convince you of the truth 
and in the truth, having life in the name of Jesus. So we find that Jesus goes from Passover to Passover, John chapter 4, John chapter 5. Passover to Passover, so a whole year takes place in between one chapter. In just a few years, a whole year takes place in the life of Jesus' ministry. And John feels the need to jump to the next part rather than just have a quick story. Because John is not interested in writing a narrative that is chronological, but one that is confrontational. See, John is describing that so that you may believe in Jesus, which means that anywhere where in your heart there is unbelief, John shows how Jesus will stand and confront that unbelief in your heart. So in your life, let me ask you, where will Jesus show up? The area where you have the hardest part believing. Because he challenges it. He, con- he confronts the belief system that we all have. The faulty belief systems that we have. Let's, let's keep going. Verse 2 says that now there is in Jerusalem near the sheep gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by five colored colonnades. Bethesda. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. If you're not taking notes, pull out your phone. Don't be texting people. Just pull out your phone. Maybe write in the notes pad because it's important to take notes because you're not going to remember everything I said. It's important to be able to take notes. Write this down. Bethesda equals house of mercy or more importantly, house of flowing water. Remember that. House of flowing water. Water meant life. It symbolizes life. Because where there is no water, life has a tough time flourishing. This man was around the appearance of something that brought life, but was never able to take hold of it. So Jesus came through the sheep gate to a pool that talked a big game, but was full of empty promises. If anyone was here for last week, you know, Pastor Tyler talked about, you know, when it's talking a big game, but when you're, how do you say it? It's, you talk a big game, but... Yeah, talk the talk versus walk the walk. It was full of empty promises. So let's keep going. Let's dive into this. Verse 3. So here at this pool, a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. Now get this. Used to lie implies past tense, meaning something has changed. Change implies hope, or the possibility of change implies hope especially for the people that were at that pool. Now, this was not some pool club like the Bored Ape Yacht Club. No, no, no. This was like the beggar's pool club. This is where all the despondent people stayed, the low in spirit. They were suffering not just physical ailments, but also internal ones, loss of hope and courage. But then Jesus shows up. And Jesus is here today for any problem that you may be paralyzing in. Because look, get this. Jesus shows up here because Jesus looks for need. Jesus is looking for need. You got a need in your life? Can I tell you? Jesus is looking to fill that need. Jesus looks for need. He seeks it out. But then let's keep going. Next verse, verse 5. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. I love how it says one. One person who was there. Because there's some significance about this one person. 
it wasn't just anyone. It was one specific person. Can I tell you today that you are a specific person? You may be in the crowd, but Jesus sees you as one specific person. He comes just for you. He doesn't come if you have it all put together. He comes even if you've got nothing to give back. Jesus will go looking for you even if you're not even looking for him. Hello. How many of you are so thankful for a God that leaves the 99 for the one like me? I mean, 38 years. It's a long time. That's longer than I've been alive. Some of you, I just dated myself. 38 years is a long time. But I got good news for you. If you feel like you've been paralyzed for a figurative 38 years, no matter how long you've been battling this problem in your life, that today is a day that it can change. I'm believing it. Because when Jesus is in the house, anything's possible. So I don't know what you're carrying today. I don't know what you walked in here with. I don't know what kind of depression you've been battling. I don't know what kind of sickness or disease or family member that you've lost. I don't know what you've been battling. But I can tell you today is a day where you don't have to carry that anymore. You don't got to carry that anymore. Jesus is in the house. Let's keep going. Verse 6. So Jesus is in the house, and when he saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked, do you want to get well? How did he ask that question? I think it depends on your view of God. If God is a really hard God and is always like, hey, you got to get it all figured out before you can get to me, like, what are you even doing? Maybe it's condescending. Do you want to get well? I mean, I've heard that. You know, I've heard God helps those who help themselves. I mean, y'all heard that before. You know, I'm about to prove that theory wrong in here. Do you even want to get well? See, I see it like this. I see him asking with great compassion, but I see him asking with all sincerity. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Let's backtrack just a little bit. It says that Jesus learned, and we can keep that verse back up there, verse 6. Said Jesus learned. In order for Jesus to learn means that he had to ask around or someone had to say something to him. Almost as if he was looking around for who's been here the longest. I can see him walking with Peter, James, and John, be like, What about this person? Two months? Nah. This person? Two years? Nah. Oh, we got eight years over here. And then they start to catch on what Jesus is doing. Jesus. If you're looking for the man or the person that has been here the longest, it's that guy over there in the corner. 38 years he's been here. See, I think there's significance in why Jesus picked the man with 38 years. Because I think if you picked the person with two months, they would have thought that they got help and healed all on their own. They didn't find themselves in a point of despair where they never saw things getting better, ever. In your life, have you learned to put up with something that God wants to set you free from? Have you learned to put up with a fake life or an effort so what the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy 
when he says, I've came that you may have life and life to the fullest. So now we see Jesus picking a man 38 years, and he singles this man out. Now remember here, it's Passover. So Jesus may have had an important meeting to get to, maybe some big people he's meeting with. As a rabbi, he's probably going to be doing some teaching somewhere soon. But notice that he is not quick to go to the people that have it all together, that have the book of the Bible, book of John memorized, or are going to church every single week, or have say the Lord's Prayer every single day. No, he actually takes the time to find the outcasts, the lonely. Because get this, he has a word that can change the person's life. He has a word that can change their life. And the devil wants nothing more than for you to keep you from realizing the power through the words that Jesus Christ has available for you today. See, I also find it amazing that Jesus passes over the people that haven't been there long. I think he does like to single people out that have learned to put up with their diseases, their bad belief systems. See, the prerequisite for healing that day was a person who had given up on the possibility of ever getting healed. He went to a person who had grown so used to the problem that it became his identity. But let's throw that verse back up there. Jesus said, do you want to get well? Verse 6, do you want to get well? Why did Jesus ask that question? It boggles my mind. Why did Jesus? Well, how did Jesus learn first that the man had been there for 38 years? It implies that Jesus was asking around. He was asking questions. See, Jesus asked a question about the man, and then he learned something about the man. And then Jesus asked the man a question so that the man could learn something about Jesus. Jesus didn't ask him a question because Jesus wanted an answer. Jesus asked the question because he is the answer. And he wanted to reveal that to him. Because the man wanted to be made well. Why else would he have been at the pool? He wanted to be made well. Any genius could have seen that. Jesus asked the man for the man's response to the answer that was sitting right in front of him. Get it? To the answer that was sitting right in front of him that he didn't even realize nor seek out. Because it was not, it was in the heart of Jesus, know this, that it was in the heart of Jesus all along for the man to be made whole. And it is in Jesus' heart today for you to be made whole. So I don't know what you're carrying today. I don't know what you came in here with. I can speculate. I've been there. Depression, suicide, I've been there. There's some places I haven't been though. But I can tell you that there's a man who says to me that you don't have to carry that anymore. And he says to you today that you don't got to carry that anymore. Let's keep going. So Jesus asks him the question, but the man misses it. And so this is his response in verse 7. He says, sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. 
Well, I'm trying to get in. Someone else goes down ahead of me. He says, I'm trying. I'm not getting very far because I tried so hard and got so far. But in the end, it doesn't even matter. You're not going to get the whole thing. Not this week. Maybe one of these times. He was trying. You can see it in his voice. I have no one to help me. Well, I'm trying to get in. Someone else goes down ahead of me. So I go through and I think I'm trying to fix this problem that I have. And you may fix it for a short time. You may mask it. The thing that you're carrying that you don't have to carry anymore. But then it comes back up again. And then you realize, I guess I never fixed that. I had a moment with my truck. I used to drive a big 2500 Chevy HD and an eight-foot bed, old glass truck. And uh, it had an air conditioning problem. Anyways, I went, took it to the auto, st- auto parts store, and uh, they uh, replaced the, uh, tensions, the tension something, tensioner. I knew what it was. It's tension spring. I knew what tension rod, you know. And I thought I fixed it. Well, anyways, I wanted to fix it right before my wife Kelly and I went up to Piedmont, South Dakota. It's about a nine-hour drive in the middle of July to run a fireworks tent. And it was running fine until on our way back. We're in the middle of July. Halfway back home, the air conditioner breaks. I can feel it. I hear it snap (laughs) as I'm driving. And we have to drive the next four hours with the windows down. Do you remember that? Abby was in the back. Man, it was sweaty. It was hot. But I remember thinking about that, and I was like, I thought I fixed that. But I didn't realize that what was fixed was actually not the thing that was causing the problem. See, I actually fixed a symptom, not the disease. So I learned how to take ibuprofen for my headache, but I didn't realize that my neck is out of alignment, and I really just need an adjustment. See, the problem with the truck wasn't the tension spring. It was actually the air conditioner was loose, and it was causing the tension spring to move as the vehicle and the engine roared. So I thought I fixed it, but really there was another problem underlying the symptom that I thought I was trying to fix. How is that with your heart? I'm just going to mask the pain. I'm going to learn to come up with an excuse of why I can't be made well. See, in your life, you have things that you see that are actually the fruit of something much deeper, much deeper root. And I want you to know that God is interested in you being a whole person and living life to the fullest, not part, full. So from time to time, he will allow these things to come in, up in your life so that they can be resolved And know this, that every time they come up, you have a choice. You have a choice. And that choice is to stuff it back down so that next year it can come back again. Or to treat it with the antidote, which is the word of God and what he says about your circumstance. Come on. But we don't know why he wanted to get into the pool. I forgot to share that. 
Because we go back to verse 4. Pull verse 4 back up. Devin. Dylan. It's not there. Thanks, Skylar. I don't have a verse four. Because it's not there. And you know what? Now that I look at my, my Bible here, too, it's not there either. It goes from verse three. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. And then it just goes straight to verse five. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. Where's verse four? Well, depending on what kind of translation you have, the scholars looked at these manuscripts when they were printed or when they were, when they were manufactured, and they tried to compare them to the earliest manuscripts. And they found that the later manuscripts had a verse 4, but the earlier ones didn't have this. And so many of the scholars, especially those that wrote the NIV or the ESV version, believed that that was added later as commentary to give context to the situation. An opinion to give context why the person was where they were. In your life, you will have people that will try to give you opinions to try to give you context. And you yourself are guilty of this time and time again of why you cannot get rid of the very thing that you are carrying. Because some of the things you believe were not added by God, but by your own belief system. See, we add things that God really didn't say to explain situations that we don't understand. So Jesus asked this question that deserved a response. Do you want to be made well? All the guy had to do was reply yes or no. But the man responded with an essay. He has an essay to explain why he is the way he is. Isn't that just like us? To blame other people for our own problems, blame other people for our own bad attitudes, blame other people for not getting ahead in life, blame ourselves, blame this, blame that. Exactly. It is not necessarily about what happened to you in regards to your experience, but it's actually how you explain the experience back to others, but most importantly, back to yourself. How you explain your situation will determine the result you get from your experience. It's your belief system that you have developed in response to your experience. I never seen God heal, so I don't believe he can. Do you base your belief off of experience or off of what the word of God says? I don't believe God can repair that marriage. I don't believe God can. We got to go back to what the word says. It's your belief system in response to what you experience that is now in control of your future. I've heard that. And many psychologists would agree to the validity of that. But Jesus breaks all the rules. 
get this, write this down today. This is, this, is what, this is what I'm so excited to be able to share with you today. That he sees how your why is getting in your way. He sees your why, your excuse, your essay, and how it is getting in your way to have life that is truly life. Now follow with me here, follow with me here. Your why is getting in your way. And he says, no, 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 no. See, see, no, 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 no. I am the way. He goes, oh, my, my, my heart's pounding right. He goes, no, I am the way. Jesus says, I'm the way. That's not the way. Get rid of those whys. That's not the way. I'm the way. What else does he say? I am the, I am the, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Jesus is the way. Truth is the word. Life is the living water. So let's keep going. Let's keep going. You guys kind of see, kind of see some. So Jesus shows up and confronts the broken belief system that the man had. The BS that he was carrying around as to why he was the way he was. And Jesus inserts a claim. He says there's a new king on the throne. And you no longer have to carry what you carry anymore. You can live by what I've spoken over you. So Jesus says in verse 8, what's he saying? Verse 8, John 5, verse 8. He said, Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Jesus said, Jesus spoke the word logo. Jesus spoke the word logo. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. So Jesus confronted the man's BS belief system with the word. His broken belief system with the word of God. Now, where was the man at? Well, track with me here. Jesus is the way. He speaks the word. Jesus said, where was this man at again? Remember, where was he at? By the pool. Pool, right? But let's just go back one chapter. The chapter before Jesus is talking to who? The woman at the well. What's he say to the woman at the well? He's talking to her about living water. The man is by the water, but he is not living. But Jesus has the living water. The man couldn't get to the water, so Jesus brought the water to him. Stop letting your why get in the way. Jesus says, I am the way. Now here is the living water. So get up and walk. Now get this, get this, get this, get this, get this. He says, get up and walk. So Jesus is the way, the truth, life is the living water. But then he like puts a capstone on the capstone. He says, get up and walk. Well, that word walk, if you dive into it, isn't just a physical walk, but it's actually rooted in to live. He says, get up and live. Because Jesus is here that you may have life and life to the full, full of joy, full of laughter, full of purpose. Jesus spoke the word and the man got up because the word of God is greater than the words spoken over you and even the words that you have learned to speak over yourself. So why you can't be made whole? Jesus asked the man a question because at the root Jesus asking it was not for the man to elicit a response. 
but for the man to discover the earnest desire that Jesus had a word for him and for each and every single one of you here today, that you may have life and life to the full. You can stand to your feet. So we see he gets up, picks up his mat, starts walking around. Jews, why are you picking up your mat? Why are you carrying that? Get this, get this. Mat, the mat was something that he would lay on. It was really like his testimony. It was his life story. So there's some things that God will set you free from that he doesn't ever want you to actually let go of because it shows how good God was to you. So some of y'all, some of y'all go around, well, that was my past life. And you degrade the power working of God in your life. That was a former me. I don't do that anymore. When you have a perfect opportunity to say, Jesus, Jesus set me free from that. I was carrying that my whole life. Jesus set me free from that. It's your testimony. Don't be ashamed of your testimony. It's the power of God. Don't be ashamed of that, what God saved you free from. Don't be ashamed of it. So he asked him, hey, pick it. Who, who's this fellow? They asked him, who told you to pick it up and walk. And this is what we'll close with right here, verse 13. The man replies, the man who healed me, or the man who was healed had no idea who it was. Where Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Well, Jesus comes back, and then he finds out that it was actually Jesus' Messiah. And Jesus says, hey, don't sin. Otherwise, something worse might happen to you. Jesus is talking about, you know, the powers of hell. And he says, stop sinning, otherwise something worse. Because not necessarily the destruction of your body here on earth, but your soul. And so Jesus was very clear on that. I don't want to just heal your ailment and then forfeit your soul. So he's talking about something very specific here. But what I love so much about Jesus is that the man had no idea who it was. He wasn't looking for Jesus. Jesus was looking for him. So you may have grown used to your infirmity, but know that Jesus is looking for you today and saying that thing that you've made excuses on to why you can't be healed from it. Know that I want to heal that. And I am here, ready and able. And you don't have to carry that anymore. The word that you need today is the word that challenges what you believe about your situation. If you really believe that Jesus came to give you life and life to the fullest, I am here to tell you that voice in your head is the devil and the devil is a liar. He's trying to hold you back from your purpose. He's trying to destroy your marriage. He's trying to destroy you. He would want nothing more than for you to be destroyed. But Jesus has come that you may have life 
And so if you feel like you don't have life today, if you don't feel like you got something beating inside your soul, that's so much more than the nine to five, working for the weekend, bro. So much more than that, a purpose that is beyond comprehension, a purpose and that is Jesus Christ. If you're in this place right now, if you're in this place and you're feeling like, Eli, I'm carrying something and I need to lay it down at his feet. I just want you to shoot up your hands right now. Shoot up your hands right now. I've been living with a mindset. I've been living in a prison that I've created because I have attached myself to lies. And we're gonna take some dominion and authority over these places right now in Jesus' mighty name. Father God, we come before you on behalf of every single hand that is raised today. And we declare in Jesus' mighty name that the devil has no more hold on them that any kind of belief system that they have aligned with that does not line up with your word. Father God, we pray that you would help them take it captive and bring it obedient before you in Jesus' mighty name. God, we lay it down at your feet. God, we know we don't need to carry it anymore. So Father God, I pray that as we come out of church today, that we would leave lighter, fuller, full of life, full of joy in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you so much for listening today. And we want to give a special thank you to those that give so generously to My City Church. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you would like to give today, please hit the link in the description or go to our website at mycitychurch.cc forward slash give. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit the subscribe button and share it on all of your social media. We love you so much. We'll see you next week. God bless.